chapter number 2, page 542. If you got a Schofield King James Bible. <coughs> and if you don't, won't you just turn to the index at the front and hunt it? I'm not, I don't bother me. I want you to find your place. Amen. Nehemiah chapter number 2, two verses tonight. And uh, I'm just going to take a moment just share my heart. I don't think we'll be very lengthy tonight. I do want you to come and meet uh, uh, Eric and Rebecca and uh, just ask me any questions. What, a, what, what an interesting place to go, amen. What an interesting place to go. I like that. I like the fact of young people wanting to give their heart and life in service to the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 2, if you find your place, let's stand together. I want to read two verses, and I want to bring out two sentences out of those two verses. In verse number 8, In a letter unto Asaph the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, for the house that I shall enter into, enter into. And the king granted me according. Now here is the truth that I want you to see. To the good hand of my God upon me. Drop down to verse number 18. Drop down to verse number 18. Listen to what he says. Then I told them how excited I am about God's business. I, hallelujah, I can't wait to tell you what I'm going to do. Can't, just can't wait to get that and tell you. Then I told them how much money I got, how big is, well, we're going to build these walls. Now, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. I want to preach on knowing the hand of God. Tonight, Solid Rock Baptist Church, we will do greater things as we approach a new year in just a few weeks if you and I can see the hand of God on this place. Let's pray. Brother Todd, how about praying, my friend? Amen. You'll be seated. Yogi Berra, the Hall of Fame catcher for the New York Yankees, played at the time of Hank Aaron, who at the time was a power hitter for the Milwaukee Braves. The Yankees and the Braves were playing in the World Series. And Yogi Berra trying to mess him up. When the Hank come up to Hank Aaron come up, 
he said, um, Hey, man, you're holding the bat wrong. You need to be able to read the trademark name. Aaron didn't say a word. He got up and hit the ball 400 feet in the left-hand bleachers. And as he rounded the bases and tagged home, he looked at Yogi Bear and said, I didn't come to read. I love that. Didn't come to read. I love that. That's what Nehemiah is saying in this passage. Alan Redpath said this, Let us learn this lesson from Nehemiah. You will never lighten the load unless first you felt the pressure in your own soul. And you're never used of God to bring blessing until God has brought you to the point of a breaking. And you see things the way they really are. Whoa. Nehemiah, in these two verses, talks about something that I have pondered for years. And that is the hand of God. I grew up in a church before I became pastor here 23 years ago. And a great preacher, a great pastor. But for some reason, it never grew. And and I was baffled with that. You and I know churches tonight that, that... Great men will fill their pulpits. And yet the churches never seem to ever accomplish anything. They never seem to grow. And I pondered that because we're so blessed in God putting His hand on some things around here. We, we started this bus ministry a year ago, right? A year and a half year and a half ago, and be honest, the bus set out here for, for a year, close, huh? close to three years, and men watch, we couldn't pay them children to get on the bus. I mean, they, we, we couldn't buy kids on a bus. But then all of a sudden, God just seemed to put His hand on. Now, that don't belittle the workers and the people that labor. And, and I understand all the work and the labor and, and the preparation. But I'm going to tell you something. You can work yourself in the ground, but if God's hand's not on it, it's not going to work. And how God has put His hand on our church. The question that I want you to ask Do you see it? I see it. But do you see it? Uh, I wonder, what does it take? What is that process of knowing the hand of God? Knowing the hand of God is on my life. I wonder what young person... God wants to put his hand on as he did this young couple in our church. I wonder who does, who's, who's the individual? How do you know that? Is there a way to know? 
Nehemiah mentioned twice in verse number 8. He introduces us to it. He says, he talks about the good hand of God on him. And then in verse 18, when he gets everybody together after he's done some things, then he told them about the good hand of God that was on him. How did he know that? I'm going to give you three things, I believe, in this passage that Nehemiah did that you and I can do to know the hand of God. Number one, he waited patiently on God. The great reformer Martin Luther said this, Faith is living, daring confidence in God's grace. It is so sure that man can stake his life on it a thousand times. Nehemiah waited patiently on the Lord. Now, how many of you are like me? Patience is not your top three virtues. Waiting is not one of those things I do very well. As a matter of fact, my mindset is, my movement, my motion is, if you don't get it done fast enough, get out of the way. I'll do it myself. How many believes that? If you don't believe that, try working with me. And I, I like things done in a hurry. I like things done fast. I like things done good. I like things done well. But you know what? If you know the hand of God, you have got to learn to wait patiently. But notice what he did while he's awaiting patiently. Number one, be faithful. Be faithful. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 1. And I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had been, had not been before time sad in his presence. Let me tell you what he's a doing while he's a waiting patiently. He's doing his job. He's in the choir singing. He's in his class of teaching. He's in his place on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Those of you that will ever know the hand of God, you got to learn to patiently wait on God. So what do you do? You keep on teaching that class. When I, when I was awaiting on God, I, I remember a time, well, God had me awaiting. And I'm telling you, that was tough. I was tough on Darlene during that time. She wouldn't talk to me about it. She just finally, she said, you go talk to the Lord. You're, you're driving me crazy. Is that not hard to believe? Anyway, and she, she said, she said I, I, don't talk to me no more about it. Well, I'd go out behind the house and I'd say, God, are you sure you're there? Are you sure you put this in my heart? God, it's time to move, time to go. God said, no, we're just going to wait patiently. But while you're waiting, go clean the church. While you wait, go mow the grass. Hey, while you're waiting, run that van. Hold them youngins to church. While you're, while, while you're waiting, go visiting. Hey, while you're waiting, won't you pray? While you're waiting, be faithful to what you know God 
has already put in your heart to do. How many of you know that, bless God, you ought to take a time out every day in that blessed little book? How many of you know that? Amen. Amen. Okay. How many of you know that every day you ought to have a time that you steal away and you say, God, I'm just, it's, it's our time for us to pray and beg you for your power and beg you for your strength and beg you for your help. And you just take every, how many of you believe every day you have a time that you pray? What you do while you're waiting patiently, be faithful. In chapter 1, verse 5, he sat down, he wept, he mourned certain days, he fasted. He prayed before the God of heaven. In chapter 1-1, one, one, it's in mid-December in the month Chislu. Chapter 2, it's in the month Nisan. It's mid-April. Nehemiah had been waiting for four months. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you think four months is a long time? It's okay. I'm not going to set you up. Four months is not a long time Unless you're waiting on God. Four months is not hard unless you're waiting on God. If you're waiting on God patiently, it's eternity. It's eternity. Nehemiah receives support from his brother. Temple and the walls are, and he's broken, and, he, and he's crying, and he's weeping, and he's parting, and he wants to go back. But for four long months, for four long months, he's awaiting on God. Now that may not sound like much if you don't have a burden. That may not sound much if you don't want to see God do something. But I tell you, we go four months with nobody being saved and nothing happening. I get, I get bothered. I get burdened. I get worried. Praise God for God's saving around here. Amen. I appreciate that. I appreciate for a record day on the bus. And there's going to be days that it's going to drop down and, and this, that, and the other. But hallelujah, when those good days come and we break a record, you know what now I'm looking for? The next one. The next one. So what are we going to do till that comes? We're going to be faithful. Told a young man this morning, I said, buddy, you better get to getting them license. You better get to getting them bus license. You know why? Because I'm already thinking we're going to get our tire back out for bus number three. And that's going to take more workers. That's going to take some of you people getting up early on Sunday. You won't die, I promise. He won't kill you. He didn't kill Tammy. You know that he'll kill nobody else. Amen. <laughs> he won't hurt you. If you see the hand of God... If you see the hand of God getting up early on Sunday morning is no problem. But you've got to see the hand of God. And he waited patiently. And that's exactly what faith is. Faith is an affirmation. It's our amen to all that God's doing. Faith is an attitude. 
It is believing that God is actively interested in our church. And He is. And that thrills me. Because I've been in a church where no matter what we did, we couldn't do, get nothing to happen. And now, God's blessing is an attitude. It is an act of obeying God when He puts that in our hearts. Those of you that work in the bus ministry, I, I, I believe I can say this. Brother Scott, I believe you're in the bus ministry because God put it in your heart, right? You wouldn't stay in it if God didn't put it there. Boy, is it not exciting when you get on your bus and them youngins start falling down and all of a sudden somebody says, we got 25 on the bus this morning. How, ain't that exciting? And you know what you say? You, then you go out and you canvass the same neighborhood and you sign up for like Saturday. What I'm trying to get you to say is you've got to be to wait patiently to see the hand of God because I remember when we brought three. Three. You know we didn't need workers. We didn't need a bus. The van done just fine. I remember three. But you know why? You got to see the hand of God. You got to wait patiently. And then we've seen some Sundays where we went out and come in. And Matthew, how many is on the bus? Ten. But you know what we keep doing? We just keep waiting patiently and being faithful. And we get as excited with ten as we did with the 40 that we had this morning. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to be as excited with the 40 as, as we, with, the, with, with the 40 as we will be with the 100 that God gives you. Now some of you say, oh dear Jesus, I don't have that big a vision. Number one, the Bible says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount with wings as eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Number one, while you're waiting patiently, be faithful. Number two, be fruitful. He was a king's cupbearer. And the king's cupbearer didn't quit being the king's cupbearer because he's waiting on God. Guess what he done? He kept being a cupbearer. I love this story. One day, young prophet Samuel went to Jesse's house. He said, Jesse, gay boys. Jesse started lining them up. He loving. God said, nope, 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 not that one. Finally, Samuel said, Jesse, is this it? He said, yeah, I got, well, no, no. I got one little boy down there watching sheep. He said, go get him. We're not going to sit down until the king gets here. And he come. He opened that horn and poured on him and anointed him king of Israel. But would you like to know where the next place 
that you see David. And the Bible says, Saul got an evil spirit. I sometimes wonder about evil. I'm going to just shut up. He had an evil spirit. Somebody said, let me get you a heart player. He'll help you. Wherefore Saul sent messenger unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son. Notice, which is with the sheep. I was God anointed king of Israel. Sheep is sheep no more. No. He's wiping off the oil off his head. He said, Daddy, going back down here to take care of my sheep. Why am I waiting on God? I'm going to be fruitful. Why am I waiting on God? I'm going to be doing my job. Why am I waiting on God? I'm going to be what I'm supposed to be. Why am I waiting on God? I'm going to be fruitful. And what God wants me to do. Oh, don't you miss this. What a, how powerful this is. Because the true test of a person's spirituality comes when they're faced with the crisis of waiting. Will they wait on God? Will they give up? Will they give in? Will they give out? Those who remain faithful and fruitful while waiting on God are those who never miss what's on the other side of the door. Number one, wait patiently on God. Number two, watch purposefully for God. Now there's one thing I've learned painfully and that is I'm concerned with time but God's concerned with timing. God is concerned I'm concerned with time but God is concerned with timing. And I'm honest, that is one tough lesson to learn. I got a hunch this young man would be on a, in India on a mission field tomorrow if he could. Is that a bad assessment? But what he may not know is God may be doing the greatest thing so when you get there, you can stay. He created time, but he's not confined for it. And what God does and operates in his timing is this. We, if we're watching purposefully for God's timing, we see the opportunities that arise. I, I'm amazed at this. Nehemiah had been weeping, crying, begging, pleading, waiting for four months. He had carried the, the tray of, of wine and food to the king day in and day out. God didn't send him a text message and say, Today I'm going to do it. He didn't do that. Here's what he said. He said, he kept doing it. He was faithful. He was fruitful. And in the midst of that, 
the opportunity came. He's coming down here being faithful. And about this time, here comes opportunity. And they meet. He had no idea, and neither do you, when the opportunity for God to use you in a great way will arise. 1992, on a Easter Sunday, me... Johnny Chambers, Curtis, dude, Gay Curtis, like Curtis, and Darlene's brother all sat on the front row of the little white church down here. There was 30 people that Sunday. We're all sitting there. And, and, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm excited about preaching. I have studied. I, I've hooked 10 IVs to the message. I mean, bless God. I, I, I've spent hours on end begging God, please don't leave me up here by myself. Please don't do that. I begged for His power. I pleaded. I prayed. I, oh, I'm so excited. I'm just like, I'm just like a stick of dynamite. I'm ready to go. Lord, just, just, and, and I was hoping I'd get to be first, but I wasn't. That's a killer. That's a killer. I'm a sitting there and I'm a waiting. And while I'm a sitting on that pew, minding my own business, no thoughts about it whatsoever. And, and, and I know God don't speak audibly, but it's just like He said, you know, one day you're going to pastor this church. And I remember doing this. I remember taking my Bible and saying, Oh my God, I'm, I'm coming at this man's work. God help me. What's wrong with me? God's going to kill me before I get done. What am I doing? I said, Dear God, forgive me. I tell this because I don't want her to forget it. I got in the car and I said, Honey, one day I'm going to pastor this church. And here's what she said. She'll never forgive it. Forget it. I'm not going to let her. She said, this preacher stuff is getting to you. <laughs> Amen. That was Easter. But it wasn't until October they called me. I ain't going to lie to you. That's the most miserable six months. That's some of the hardest six months. Because God had put something so big in my own heart. And it didn't seem like the door was ever going to open. But then one Saturday, the call came. And I know this is going to sound like you think I'm crazy, but when I am the phone, I said, okay, God, if those people will obey God, I'll be the pastor of that church. And I had never preached but one time. You know why? Because opportunity arises. He had no idea that day. He had no idea that day. The king would say, Nehemiah, hey man, what's wrong with you? Why are you sad? Hey son, why are you sad? Something's wrong. This ain't nothing but, man, you, man, you 
your heart's broken. Hey, why's your heart broken? And Nehemiah, the opportunity arose right then. He could say, King, here's why I'm broken. You see, the hand of God, when you wait patiently and watch purposefully, God will let you see things. Why? The hand of God. He'll let you see the opportunities that arise. And you ought to take them. And you've got to take them. Number two, it will tell something else. He, behind, behind that door of opportunity, there were four big prizes behind the door of opportunity. There was permission. If it pleased the king sent me. And I sent him, I set him a time. Promotion. Moreover, said I to the king, if it pleased the king, let letters be given to the governors. Without them letters of authority, Nehemiah couldn't got anywhere. He got provision. He said, man, I need some lumber. I need some timber. I need some boards. I need a means to build them walls. He got protection. Then I came to the king, to the governor beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent captains of the army and a horseman. He sent him a, a, a standing card all behind the door of opportunity. What's God got behind the next door and right before right before the opportunity arises bless God I'm I'm just tired of waiting I'm just tired of waiting hey pastor I'm sorry I, I just can't do that no more pastor I'll just quit I, I, hey, hey, hey pastor I'm, I'm not going to listen to you no more pastor I, just right before the opportunity I just quit right before right before the opportunity. The opportunity. See, Satan's a master at derailing us. Right before, and some of you don't know this, but two weeks before Solid Rock Baptist Church called me, another pastor had called me. And he said, I want you to come here and help me. And I'm going to tell you, it was exciting. It was, it was thrilling. And I, I mean, it, it looked good, good, good. But I'd run behind the house. I'd say, okay, God, is, 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 is this it? God said, no. Nope. Nope. And I'd call him up. And you know, he'd invite us over and he'd feed us and he, you know, pampered us and all that stuff. And we was hermits and we never had that to happen. So we didn't know what to, how to do that much. You know, I get worried if people come to my house too many times. I was like, well, what do you want? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, but, but that two weeks came. Right before that two weeks, you'll never know the challenge of Satan Wanting to get me derailed. He almost derailed me. You know what he'll do? He'll derail you. Right before, while you're waiting patiently and watching purposefully, right before the opportunity arises, he'll send you a derail. 
And if you fall for it, many times it'll get you for life. Number two, he saw the opposition. Let me help you, Solid Rock Baptist Church. If opportunity arises, opposition awaits. When Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant of Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. This may shock you, but there's people hate those buses leaving them out here every Sunday. There's people that hate us trying to reach roadheads. So I believe God's got this church here and the hand of God's on it for roadheads. I didn't know if you knew this. Some of you know this. Most people don't care for roadheads. God happens to love roadheads. God happens to want roadheads. Now, I have as much burden for road hits as you do for Indian. I praise God for the burden you have for them. See, there's people that would just be okay if the church didn't do nothing. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't want any battles, don't say nothing, don't do nothing, don't be nothing, and you will never have a battle. Nobody won't bother you at all. But if you watch purposefully, an opportunity arises... There's going to be oppositional waves. Can I help? I need to help our church right here now. Let me help you. Here's where Satan gets Satan's, Satan's not going to get us here. Satan's not going to get us here on the King James Bible. Say amen. We're going to stay with the book. Ain't changing. Ain't open for discussion. We're not moving on to music. You know where the devil gets us? Well, preacher, I just don't think we ought to do this. That's where he gets you. Well, preacher, I just don't think we ought to do this. And it's the little things that in the scheme of it all that doesn't change a thing. I'm amazed at this. Don't, don't get sideways with me now. Some of you parents fall all to pieces. You'll scream, you'll scream, and you'll holler at your youngins from daylight to dark, and then you'll get mad at everybody else. If anybody else says to them, would you explain that to me? That's puzzling me. I, I struggle with that. Can I say, it's the little things that the devil gets us hung up on. Well, just keep us to do this person don't like me. <laughs> don't like me. What? If you see the hand of God, you won't care whether they like you or not. I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to love me. I'm a lovable person. I am. Sometimes, a little bit of the time, well, once in a while. But you know what? If I see the hand of God, then you know what I'm going to see? I'm going to see the big picture. And that means if Matthew doesn't do something just, just the way I think it ought to be done, if I see the hand of God, I'm going to see every Saturday 
that he gets his family together and goes bus calling. I'm going to see every Sunday he gets on that bus and runs. I'm going to see him sitting, getting everybody together and getting everybody together and keeping it all, calling people every Sunday. You know what I'm going to see? If I see the hand of God, I'm going to see the big picture, not the little things. Because guess what? You look around. There is no person here perfect. And do you understand that if you watch us, if you watch any person long enough, you will see something you disagree with? (laughs) If I knew you a little better, (laughs) if I knew you a little better, all right, but I don't. But I know Ben. Ben and Haley's been married. Have you already seen he's not as perfect as you thought he was, Haley? Have you, it's okay, you can be honest. <laughs> and isn't it amazing? And it amazing? We hold everybody around us to this high standard. They can't make a mistake. They can't do something I disagree with. I don't like that. And we fall all to pieces and we quit God when we can't even look around and see anybody around us that meets that. Ain't that strange? But I tell you somebody that can, God can. He'll meet every expectation that you have of Him. Opposition awaits. Don't get hung up on that. Don't let that steal. I'm amazed at this. Somebody will call me all sideways, you know. And you know what I want to ask? What did I preach in the message? Well, I don't remember that. Why didn't you remember that? Hey, why don't you remember what people do right? I want to ask you a question. Been a whole this young man. Did he not get well, just a good? That was a good presentation. Amen. That was top of the line. Yes. Hallelujah! Wasn't that good? Yes. Did you see that? Did you see that? Yes. Hey, did you see him and his wife just circulating through, giving out cards? I, I like that. They could have sat here a long face, and you know, they didn't. I like that. Did you see that? What I'm trying to get you to understand is if we know the hand of God, opportunity arises, but opposition awaits. You that run this bus ministry, me and Matthew's had this discussion time and time again. You're always going to have the parents that's going to get sideways. I don't care what you do, how you do, when you do it. Here's what you need to do. Love them. Be kind to them and bring their kids if they'll let us. Number three, work passionately with God. When he arrived, it took two months to get from Shushan the palace to Jerusalem. And when he gets there, he does three things. If you know the hand of God, you got to do this. A young man... Just a, just a boy. Just a boy. 
come up here and had more wisdom, had more wisdom than 90% of the adults. Here's the question he asked me. He said, what do I need to do to be like Matthew? I said, explain that. He's just a boy. He said, I'd like to be an intern here at the church. What do I need to do? Here's what he's saying. What does it cost? The first thing Nehemiah did, he counted the cost. He gets to Jerusalem. He don't say a word. Let me just stop here and just say this. There was a day when I first took the church. I lost some really good men. And they're not my friends tonight. They Actually, they're very angry with me. And it's it partly my fault. And here's why. Because there was a day, if you got close to me, I would share with you what was in my heart. Because there's always something going on in my heart. And you know what I've learned? Because it's in my heart to give God veto power, that so many times God puts something in my heart and He wants to do it a different way. And so I have to obey Him. And then that person gets upset because they think I've lied to them. And even though I tell them, now this is just my heart, God may do something different, it just don't register then they're angry with me. I, I, I love this. There's wisdom in what Nehemiah did. He kept his mouth shut. Didn't say a word to nobody. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well and to the dung port and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down. The gates there were consumed with fire. Then went out to the gate of the fountain to the king's pool, but there's no place for the beast that was under for me to pass. Then went by night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered to the gate of the valley. So returned. Do you know what he's doing? He's, he's, he's riding around and he's accounting the cost. He's accounting the cost. Whenever we wait patiently and watch purposefully, then we have to be willing, then we have to be willing to work passionately with God. Got to count the cost. Nehemiah was an optimist, but he was also a realist. And I watched people make decisions for Christ, and in a few months, they're nowhere to be found. I'm thinking about a young man now, just absolutely breaks my heart. Just I, I can't tell you the, the times I've wept over this young man because right here's where he was, had a heart to do something for God. And I kept telling him, son, are you sure? He didn't count the cost. Didn't count the cost. Got to count the cost. Because you see, Eric, I'm just, I'm an old, I used to be where you was, and thinking, well, I'd, ask, I'd ask old preachers things. I'm the old preacher now. God, makes me feel bad. God doesn't require some things. God requires everything. And that's why some of us so struggle. God doesn't require something. He requires everything. 
doesn't mean you're in charge. It means you're not in charge of nothing. Doesn't mean you get to control anything. Occasionally people get aggravated and they think, God, he just wants control. (laughs) It's okay if you think that. What you don't understand is, I hear that, but then I just run to a back room somewhere and say, God, if I only knew, I don't get to control nothing. If I did, a whole lot of you would be different. A whole lot more people would be here tonight. <laughs> and a whole lot of you would act different. But I'm not in control of nothing. He counts the cost. Second, he confronts the critics. And when Sambalit and Hornite, the Tobiah, and the servant and Ammonite, the Gisham, the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us. They said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Will you rebel against the king? Here's what Nehemiah answered. Then said I unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But ye shall have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Here's what he said. God's going to prosper us. And we're going to move forward. Listen, if you see the hand of God in, as I see the hand of God, you're part of something really big. And God's going God's, to move forward. And I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Here's what he said. He said to Sambalad and Tobiah, he said, you will not have a part in it. He says, matter of fact, your name won't even come up when we're done. He counts the cost. He confronts the critics. And last of all, he confirms the call. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we're in? You see the distress our country's in? Do you see the distress our nation's in? How Jerusalem hath waste and the gates of are burned with fire. Come and let us build with the wall, uh, build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more reproach. Nehemiah wasn't a one-man show. Hallelujah. But it, God's, he saw the hand of God. It brought motivation. Then I told them. Then I told them. Of the good hand of God. The good hand of God. Which was good upon me. He said. God's a participation. Let's rise up and build. Years ago. One story and I'm done. There's a young man by the name of Roy Regals. He played in a game, and he got this nickname, Wrong Way Regals. He got the name because during halftime, the ball was fumbled. He picked it up. He was on the defense. He picked up the ball, but he ran to the wrong goal. And one of his own teammates tackled him Right before he made a score for the other side, he's humiliated. He goes back into the locker. He's humiliated. He's broken. He, he don't talk to nobody. And, and, everybody, and everybody tries to encourage him. And head coach gets up and makes his speech, you know. And then he says this. He said, I want everybody that was on the field at halftime, I want that same group out there when we go back to second. But Roy just sat there. Coach, come over there. Hey, didn't you hear me? 
on the field. He said, you don't understand. Did you see what I just done? He looked at him and he said these words. He said, Roy, this game isn't about you. It's about something far bigger. Now get out there and play. Roy Regals went out and played the greatest second half he had ever played in his life. But more than that, he wrote later, his life was transformed by that word. Solid Baptist Church, it ain't about you. It's about something bigger. Amen. Bigger than you could ever imagine of what God wants to do in Solid Rock Baptist Church. And my prayer is that you can see the hand of God in this place. If you can't, I I want you to do something. I want you to run to this altar and ask God to let you see the hand of God. If you see the hand of God, It'll take you a long ways down the road of not getting discouraged, waiting on God, watching purposefully for God, working passionately with God in what He wants to do. So I'll stand to her feet, every head bowed, never eye closed.